I got some Play-Doh. Uh, who would like to take the Play-Doh and turn it into something beautiful? Anybody? Oh. Yeah, right now. Oh, come on. You turn, you turn junk into, into, in, into art. This is perfect for you. Come on. I need somebody that's going to take this. Nate will do it. So there's some three colors. Just And remember, beauty's in the beyond. <laughs> well, yeah, no, just use all three. All of you, just, just use the color. Make it whatever you want. Remember, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So whatever it is, bless the Lord. So I'm going to start right now with giving a recap of this Torah portion. This Torah portion, once again, to use the terms in Chris's song, is a little agony and a little ecstasy all at the same time. Uh, By golly, our ancestors that we read about in the Torah by golly, they sure know how to ruin a good time. Ay, ay, ay. They can't seem to get it right. So what happened in this week's Torah portion? This week's portion is called Shemini, which means eight. So over the course of the book of Leviticus, we've learned about the sacrificial system. So this is Moses teaching Aaron and his sons how to do it properly. This is how you make the sacrifice. This is how you do the burnt offering. This is how you do the sin offering. This is how you do the peace offering. This is how you do the whatever offering. The bird off, if it's a bird, if it's grain. This is where he learned how to do all this stuff. So Moses, through God, from God, is teaching Aaron and his sons, who are the priests, the Kohanim, the right way to do it all. Now comes today, in the Torah portion, the first day of the first month, first day of Nisan. It is opening day for the Mishkan. It is the time that the tabernacle in the wilderness was open for business. This is a big day for the Jews at that time. A big day. Because the last time the glory fell for these crazy ancestors of ours, it was at Sinai, and they messed it all up. Moses goes back to get some more laws. He took a little too long. They couldn't take it anymore, so they built an idol. He comes down. They know how to ruin a good time. I'll tell you that. So then God is like, I'm just done. Moses, I'm going to start again with you. I'm going to wipe everybody out. I'm going to start with you. Moses, who spent more time on his face than anybody else I know, pleading and interceding, finally convinces God to hang around. And God says, all right, I will be your rear guard. I will be your front guard. I will dwell among you. Thank you, Moses, for your intercession. Now it is the first day of the first month, one year after the exodus from Egypt, and God is about to fulfill his promise. He's about to come into the Mishkan, which is the Hebrew word for the tabernacle, 
in the wilderness. He's about to come into the Mishkan. His glory is about to fall and his presence is about to be made known in the camp. Hallelujah, they've waited for this. Thank you, Lord God. We know we screwed it up at Sinai. Now you're gonna, you've forgiven us and you're going to come and you're going to make your presence known by dwelling in the Mishkan. We'll know exactly where you are. We'll know right where to go if we need to talk to you, if we need to repent, if we need to give an offering. We'll know just where to go. So Moses and Aaron, they go. This is the first day of the first month. This is the day. Aaron has went through and his sons went through seven days of consecration, of ordination. It's like, you know, it's like it's seven days before the, the uh, inauguration of the president, you know, and like there's like a whole lot of stuff that happens prior to that event. But now the day comes and they got to do it just right. So they start to give their offerings. The people give the offerings. The priests give their offerings. Everything is done perfectly. According to plan, Moses and Aaron go in, they do their thing in the tabernacle, they come out, they bless the people. This is the first time ever, first time ever that prayer is, is, is recited by the priest and the glory of the Lord falls on the Mishkan consumes the offering, everybody's on their face, everybody's shouting, it is ecstasy. It is spiritual ecstasy. The Lord has fulfilled his promise. He's now dwelling with the people. The inauguration ceremony is now complete. All is well. Until our ancestors know how to put a until into a good story. In comes Aaron's sons, Nadav and Avihu, who had a little sugar and spice to add to the events. So they take their little bowl Glory, hallelujah. What's wrong with a little incense? In fact, they were commanded to give incense in other capacities. This is an amazing event. Let's add to it. So they take their pan. They put the incense in it. Glory, hallelujah. The Lord is with us. They burn up the incense. And God pulls a, a, late, a, a Raiders of the Lost Ark on them. Fire shoots out. That mercy seat became an electrocution seat real quick. The rabbis say that little strings of lightning bolt went up their nostrils. I mean, talk about Hollywood. <laughs> Down they go. The people of Israel now have to mourn. A great mourning occurred. What a tragedy amidst the great ecstasy of the event. There's a lot of um, speculation, rabbinic speculation, as far as what did they really do wrong? I mean, it doesn't even seem that bad. 
you know, what was it they did wrong? There's a lot of rabbinic speculation about it because the Bible doesn't explicitly say. It just says they offered strange fire, un unauthorized fire, a lot of different, different explanations of what that is. I am of the belief that it did have something to do with alcohol. Because right after this event, right after, God says the priests will not drink alcohol when they're on duty. So I think that perhaps they were drunk. But God is such a restorer, he's not the God that kills. As the liturgy said, he kills and restores to life and makes salvation to spring forth. Thank you, rabbis who preceded Yeshua, who wrote in that liturgy, who kills and restores to life and causes salvation to spring forth. Who does that sound like? 3,000 people were killed about, it says, 3,000 people killed at Sinai. At Pentecost, 3,000, about 3,000 were saved. He doesn't just kill. He kills and restores to life. God is a God of restoration and resurrection and takes our mistakes and makes a, a glorious garden out of it. So there are many lessons to learn about poor Nadav and Avihu who got zapped up the nostrils and their brother had to take out their carcasses and weren't even a lot of more. Like God said to Aaron, like, don't even stop your service. Like you got the uh, priestly anointing oil on you. You got to keep going. The people will mourn just a tragedy. Many, many lessons in this, but before I get to the lesson that I feel that the Lord put on my heart to share, I want to share a little bit of the mystery of, of the day that this happened. Because we know it was the first day of the first month, but it happened on, it says, the eighth day. Now, the eighth day really simply just means that Aaron and his sons went through a seven-day period of consecration, and now it is the eighth day. But I tell you that every time you see the eighth day in Scripture, it is a miraculous, supernatural event. Why? Because God's cycles, the natural cycles on his calendar are in sevens. Seven days in a week. Passover, seven days. Shavuot, I'm sorry, uh, Sukkot, tabernacles, seven days. So if everything's the, the, the Shemitah cycle, seven years, everything is in cycle of seven, cycles of seven. So if, if everything, if the week is in a cycle of seven, what, and, and that's the natural cycle, what is eight? It's supernatural. So things that happen on the eighth day are things that are outside the realm of, of, of what we understand, of worldly things. It's otherworldly is eight on God's calendar. That's why even at, at Sukkot, it's a seven-day fe festival, and right after that, there is a festival, it's called of the eighth day, 
Shemini, eighth, Atzeret, assembly, the assembly of the eighth day. It's, it's a representation of, okay, we went through the whole cycle of everything. What's next? What's above that? Even Shavuot, Pentecost, is a festival of eight. Why? Because we count seven times seven weeks to get to it, and then the 50th day is Shavuot, Pentecost, where we saw the tongues of fire, supernatural events happening. Even the year of Jubilee is an eighth day because it's seven times seven years, 49 years, and the 50th year, that's eight, is, is, is the year of Jubilee. And we know that the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee is when it says in the book of Revelation that the kingdoms of this world now belong to the kingdoms of our God. Because the year of Jubilee, it says that all land goes back to the rightful owner. And now in Revelation, it says the kingdoms of the world now belong to God. That's the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. But it's also, it's a miraculous thing. It's a 50th day thing. And of course, which isn't, doesn't feel so miraculous, we know circumcision is an eighth day thing, the consecration. I have a hunch that somehow the death of Nadav and Avihu on that eighth day was in a way like a circumcision for the priesthood needed to happen. Like, it's part of the consecration. So the eighth day is a miraculous thing. Do you understand that? And the beautiful thing about the eighth day when it comes to our natural cycles, if, 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 this, if the cycle of our week or the cycle of the Shemitah years or the cycle of the, the, the Jubilee cycle is in seven, eight intersects with one. So even though it's an otherworldly type of thing, it intersects, so we go through seven days, and then we go to the first day. Well, that would really be the eighth day, right? So it's bringing, which is what happens, we bring the supernatural into the natural. So that is what the eighth day is, a supernatural event. And we most certainly, in this Torah portion, saw a supernatural event with, the, with God coming down and, and dwelling in the tabernacle. And I believe because Pentecost is also an eight-day festival, when God poured his spirit on the believers, that is an eighth-day manifestation of himself. And we take that with us. I and that's why I think that it happened on that day, because what happens on that day is also a circumcision of the heart. So it's an eighth-day manifestation what happened at Shavuot Pentecost and it's a circumcision of the heart which is happens on the eighth day according to Torah but then we take this eighth day and we own it he gives it to us the supernatural becomes ours he gives us himself he puts himself into us this is the fulfillment of God coming in and making his dwelling in the Mishkan this is Yeshua and his the Ruach making his dwelling in you. So you now have this eighth day manifestation. So now that this happens, and God has consecrated us through the circumcision of the heart, 
we kind of do a Nadav and Avihu. What can we add to this? Use me, God. How can you use me? Because we, we have, all throughout our lives, we have things that God has developed in us. You could, you know, we, we can write, we can speak, we can act, we can sew, we can turn junk into art. We can play instruments, we can love on somebody, whatever it is, and all of a sudden we come into the kingdom the eighth day, and we're like, use me, God. How are you going to use me? So, so Nate, come forward with, with whatever beautiful thing you created. I can't wait to see it. Uh, then it's got to be beautiful. Oh, got it, got it, got it. See it. Oh, my goodness. Nice. It's a boat on the ocean with a sun. That is very beautiful. So we come into the kingdom and we're like, Lord, this is what I have. Use it. This is developed in me. Use it. But sometimes, like with Nadav and Avihu, now thank God Yeshua took the electric chair for us so we don't have to do it. But sometimes we bring this to the Lord. We say, Lord, you created this in me. Use it for your glory. And the Lord says, what you have is beautiful and it does come from you. But I don't need it right now. And I don't need it exactly as you think. And there needs to be a circumcision of it. And sometimes, off he goes. And <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. Wow. That's pretty good. That's, <laughs> that's really good. That guy's got a little oar and everything, I think. It's, or is that a sail? That's a sail on the boat. That's a, that is pretty intense. So we bring this to the Lord, and we go, Lord, Use this. And he says, bless, bless you, child. But that is a seventh day offering. Leave it with me. And I will turn it into the eighth day offering. So Donna, who turns junk, in, not that this is junk, into art, even, you know, use a, another color because this is what we have to do. We give it to the Lord. And it's hard to do because, like, God gave us this. And we're like, God, I want you to use this. And God says, I will use it. But the, you, know what the, you know what the circumcision that has to happen? You know what the, the death that has to happen, it's sometimes it's not just what you're giving. It's your translation of how he's going to use it. Because we all do what Nadav and Avihu did. There's an eighth day. God is manifesting himself in the kingdom. And we take our, in hallelujah, here's my incense, Lord. I'm going to contribute to this. But God sometimes says, bless you. Leave it with me, and I am going to change it into something that you're not even aware of. And what needs to die is your own understanding of how God is going to use this thing. 
I remember when I first became a believer. So I had like, I had a baptism by fire, and I'm not talking about like the spiritual, I had that too. But I was, I had a baptism of fire into how Jews really think about Yeshua and and Jews that believe in Yeshua. Because when I told my parents that I accepted the Lord Jesus into my heart, it didn't go over so well. And they put me in contact with a group called Anti- Missionaries. Who, have, who has not heard of anti-missionaries? Who have not heard? Wow. Anti-missionaries are Jewish groups who look to get people like me out of places like this and to go back into traditional Judaism because Jesus is a cult leader. And Messianic Judaism is nothing but Christianity with yarmulkes. And we're looking to convert the Jews covertly. So they'll use various techniques to get us out of of this, including using scripture. Isaiah 53 isn't about Jesus. It's about Israel. When it says in the New Testament, when Matthew wrote, Out of Egypt I called my son... And it says as it was about Yeshua as a baby coming out of Egypt. How dare Matthew write that? It's clearly about Israel coming out of Egypt. What they don't say, which they know but don't say, it's both. Because there's depths in Scripture. And just because out of Egypt I call my son, in the plain sense is about literally Israel coming out of Egypt. It doesn't mean that in a deeper sense, Messiah, who represents Israel, went through the same thing. So my parents put these these guys on me. So I decided to research it. Oh, I was a believer for about a week. And I'm going to have a ministry to counter... The counter missionaries. And I read and I studied and I, I looked at all of their arguments and I went deep, deep, deep into scripture because in my head, this is something that the Lord's kingdom needs. This is my contribution to his eighth day. And I had it all worked out and I had a book of stuff until the Lord says, That's beautiful but I don't need it. But the stuff you researched and wrote will be of use to you in the future. And I still use it to this day as a rabbi. Will there be one day where I'll be up debating an Orthodox Jew in some public debate? I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing. He nay me. Here I am, Lord. That's what the scripture says. 
But my interpretation of what God was putting in my heart was different than what he actually needed. So he needed to just do what he wanted with it, and I needed to let it go. Oh, Joseph had a good vision. Talk about every knee's going to bow down. Yeah, they're going to bow down to me. All my brothers, mom, dad. Oh, yeah, they're going to bow down to me. Well, he was right. I bet you his original vision didn't include him going to jail, being sold off to Egypt, and then a famine coming, and his brothers coming and bowing down to him, thinking he's an Egyptian lord, and that whole thing, which started from the one seed of the vision, wound up manifesting itself years later very differently than he thought. He probably thought, like, hey, I'm dad's favorite kid. I got the coat. Now everybody's going to bow to me. You stupid putts. The only reason dad likes you is because he likes your mom. Because he's got a thing for your mama. That's the only reason you're his favorite, you little runt. It's true. So, 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 yeah, clap for the runt, yeah. So, so, <laughs> right. so but, but, but the seed, the vision was a true one. The manifestation of it was far beyond what he thought his contribution to the eighth day was. And when it manifested, it wasn't about them just bowing down to him. It was about salvation for all of Israel. So God takes our little Plato boat and turns it into with different shapes an egg for birth, a yarmulke for a covering, A dead man? <laughs> okay. And the open tomb. Nice. Hallelujah. So God can take what we say it is beautiful, and it is beautiful. So if, if you're in this place where you have an incense offering to contribute to what God is doing, the, the manifestation, the eighth-day movement of God, and God is like, eh, it just means that he's forming it. It just means that he's taking it, that he's, he's putting it into different pieces. He's adding color to it. He's changing the shape of it. Yeah, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a fulfilled, I don't remember what it says, is like a tree of life. And to make that tree of life, there needs to be a death, and there needs to be roots, and there needs to be growth. And then what comes out of it is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could have thought of when you gave your offering, but it was just a seventh-day offering. God has an eighth-day offering that is right in line with precisely what he's doing. And when it happens... You won't take credit for it. 
you won't pat yourself on the back. You probably won't even know you did it. So thank you, Adonai, for taking our incense offerings. Thank you, Yeshua, for taking the electrocution for us. Thank you, Father. You are a good, good Father who takes our offerings and takes it and has us let go of You have us let go of it, and then you form it in beautiful, beautiful ways, and you hand it back to us in your perfect way, in your perfect timing, according to your perfect will, and you get the credit, and we don't, and it is glorious. Thank you, Adonai. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Yeshua's name, amen.